This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I like to reckon networking to investing, like they always say how the compounding of the investing makes it where Uh, The earlier you start investing, the more you're going to have at the end. And I would say the same thing about networking because you don't want to have to be desperate for a job. You add 50 people on LinkedIn or sending everyone like, hey, I just met you. Help me get this job. Do work for me. It's like, no, you just need to make friends, see how you can help other people. And then maybe even years down the line, you're like, oh, now that we've been friends and colleagues or know of each other for a couple of years, would you mind putting a referral for me at your company? Welcome to the Data Career Podcast, the podcast that helps aspiring data professionals land their next data job. Here's your host, Avery Smith. Welcome back to the Data Career Podcast. I'm your host, Avery Smith. And boy, boy, do we have a great episode for you today. I'm really excited for you guys to listen. Let me tell you what you have in store. Today, we're going to be hearing from Elijah, who is famous on TikTok, makes a lot of data content on TikTok, and is honestly just like a really nice, genuine person. And I think you'll be able to tell that from the interview we had. He's a data analyst at Humana, which is actually really cool because that's actually the second data analyst at Humana from Kentucky that we've had on the podcast. If you go back to listen to Aaron Sheena's episode in 65, where she talks about her journey from going from a music degree to a financial data analyst at Humana in Kentucky. So go listen to that. She was an alum from the Data Analytics Accelerator program. Lots of really good gems inside of that episode. But Elijah, he kind of has a little bit of a Kentucky accent, which I think is so fun and you guys will really enjoy. I think it kind of makes the episode fun to, to listen to. Some of the things that I want you guys to pay attention to in this episode is one, how Elijah found this job in the first place. It's through a friend of a friend. You guys, you might not know someone, but your friend might know someone. And it's really a matter of asking your friends, asking your family, hey, do you know of any opportunities? Do you know anyone who might know someone, right? Like we all have a small network. We all think we have a small network. But really when it comes down to it, you'd be surprised at what opportunities might be just laying inside of your phone contacts. Like you will definitely underestimate the power of just texting all the people in your contacts to try to understand what they're doing, what opportunities they might have for you. You just never know. So the network, the end part of the SBN method is really prevalent in Elijah's story. And I hope you guys see that. I also hope you guys realize that, you know, he uses Excel and SQL. Like it's simple. Like he knows a lot of different data skills. He even got a master's degree where they talk a lot about different statistics, softwares and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, Excel, SQL, Tableau, some sort of Power BI tool, whatever, right? Like those are the three skills. That's the S part of the SBN method. And uh, at the very end of this episode, Elijah and I kind of talk about some of our hobbies, some of the books we're reading, our personal fitness journeys. Uh, So we kind of open up and make it a little bit more personal. I hope you guys enjoy that section. I haven't really done that with very many guests, but it was just fun getting to know Elijah. And I think you guys will have fun getting to know him and hearing his story. Before we get into this episode, I want to give you guys three really cool things that are going on right now. They're all kind of happening at similar times, so pay close attention. The first one is thank you for everyone that has left us a rating and review on Spotify 
and Apple. And we've actually prepared something really fun for those of you guys who have left a review and a rating. And it's a special gift. So we have a bonus gift that is only available for those who have left a rating on Apple or Spotify podcasts. If you have not done so, you can do so right now. And all you have to do is review it, leave it whatever rating you want, whatever whatever benefit you've got from the podcast. We want honest ratings. If you're on Apple, please leave us a review, like a written review that would mean a lot to us. And if you do that and you screenshot it and you take that screenshot to the link in the show notes down below, it'll say like bonus or something like that. You just have to show that you've rated the podcast, you've left a review, and uh, we're going to send you for free the Data Career Podcast Navigation Guide. And what this is, is basically like a curated version of the podcast where we take our top ranked episodes because you guys don't know what episodes actually end up performing the best and which ones you guys are like most excited about and most into. So we're taking our best episodes and we're also categorizing it. So if you want to focus, you know, just on networking for the next month, these are the few episodes that you should listen to. If you want to focus, you know, on interviewing or if you want to focus on skills or something like that, these are the episodes that you should be focused on. So it's basically a way for you to consume the podcast in a little bit more of a structured manner. So we want to send that to you for absolutely free. All you have to do is show us the screenshot and we will send that to you. It's going to be a lot of fun and I think it'll be really useful. So thank you for all of you who have left a review. And please, if you have, you know, go submit that screenshot right now. We'd love to send it your way. The second thing we have going on right now is I'm doing a SQL hands-on workshop in the month of December of 2023. Uh, it's going to be totally free. You can come to the live sessions where basically Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern, I'm going to be teaching SQL live. We're going to be taking on a SQL problem three weeks in a row in December, and we'll have a link in the show notes all about that where you guys can sign up for absolutely free and hang out with me, do some SQL, learn some SQL, practice some SQL. And no matter where you're at in your SQL journey, I think you'll find this fun and exciting. So if you're just starting or if you just need more practice, come. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's free. Sign up using the link in the show notes down below. And the third thing we have going on, and I'm really excited to be talking about this, is we're going to be launching a five-day data challenge. And for those of you who have been following me for a long time, know that I used to run something called 21 Days to Data. We're bringing 21 Days to Data back to life. I haven't run it for about a year now, and we're going to shrink it to about five days. We're going to try to pack in as much as we can in five days. And so if you want to get signed up for that, we'll have a link down in the show notes. Uh, we're starting January. So at the first week of January, I think it starts January 8th, if I'm not mistaken, we're going to be kicking off the first cohort of the five days to data challenge. It's going to be a lot of fun. Basically, it's like a springboard that you can use to jumpstart your data career. And we're going to teach you a lot, as much as we possibly can in five days. So you can use the show notes down below. So I know it's a lot of announcements. Just a reminder, let's go over that one more time. If you have a screenshot or if you've left a review or rating for the podcast, screenshot it. Put it in this link down below. You'll have to upload it. And we're going to send you a free Data Career Podcast navigation guide to say thank you. We appreciate it. Number two, we have the live SQL series going on in December. You can sign up for absolutely free in the show notes down below. And if you're interested in joining our first, and I guess, inaugural, the first session in 2024 for the five days data challenge, it's going to be fun. It's going to be affordable. We're going to teach you a whole heck of a lot in five days. I sign up in the show notes down below. So those are the three things we got going on. I hope that's new, not too much for you guys. I thank you so much for listening as always. And let's go hear from Elijah because I know you guys are going to love this episode. Mm -hmm. 
My guest today is Elijah Butler, TikTok star. He is producing great content in the data analytics space on TikTok on what, as well at LinkedIn. He is a data analyst at Humana. He's been a data analyst at Robert Half. The more formal title at Humana, I guess, is data and reporting professional. He studied economics at the Western Kentucky University, got a bachelor's and a master's there as well. And honestly, I'm just getting to know Elijah. We've talked a couple of times, but he's honestly a really nice person and a great person to follow in the data space. So Elijah, welcome to the Data Career Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I've really been enjoying your podcast. I've been checking out a few different data podcasts recently, and yours is one of them. So it's a big honor to be on here. Yeah, I'm stoked to have you because I know that you've provided a lot of value to the data world, you know, on TikTok and now here on LinkedIn. I'm excited to hear more about your story and kind of how you got into data analytics as well. Talk a little bit more about you and, and the content you create. Let's first start with like, what you chose to study in college. You studied economics. How'd you make that decision? Yeah, that actually turns into a bit longer of a story. So picture right. it, it's, it's back in 2016. It's freshly graduated from high school, Elijah Butler. And I actually started at Western as a mechanical engineering major. My original plan, which really didn't see much light, is I wanted to get a bachelor's in mechanical engineering and maybe go into... Oh, what was it? it was like biomedical engineering, I think is what sounded good to me. I was like, oh, I'm going to build all of these revolutionary medical devices and save lives and stuff. But into my first semester and then into my second semester, I really found that mechanical engineering just wasn't for me. I think I just wasn't the person type that was a mechanical engineer. I was really miserable, especially that second semester. Calc 2 was hitting me hard and I decided initially, I've always been a big fan of business. I like reading about business. I enjoy the show Shark Tank, all of that good stuff. So going into my sophomore year, I actually switched to become a marketing major just because that sounded fun to me. I know there are like different arguments about like how marketable a marketing major is ironically and all of that good stuff. But once I started in that first semester, I took a microeconomics and a macroeconomics course. And I just really loved it. I loved all of the professors in my econ department. So I decided to switch once again to economics, specifically business economics. And that's where I stayed as a undergraduate. And then again, as a grad student, getting my MA in economics as well. Okay. So you tried, tried the engineering, then tried some marketing and then landed on, on economics. But that obviously, I mean, economics and data are related, but they're not exactly the same. So how did you end up in the data worlds after that? Yeah. So economics. So my first degree was business economics. So I got a lot of core management, accounting, marketing, CIS classes, and then I also kind of got introduced to data. I think I had an Econ 206, which was like a business statistics class. So it got into things like p-values, hypothesis testing, things like that. And that was one of my first entries into analytics. And then also as a business econ major, we had a couple classes where we learned Stata, which is like a statistical software that that you can like run regressions and stuff in. I think it's mostly used in academia. And we actually uh, did some regression analysis as part of that degree. So my first entry into data actually wasn't with SQL. It wasn't with Tableau. It was doing linear regression, all these other kinds of regression and stuff in my 
bachelor's and then I decided to get my master's in applied economics and that was some high level econ theory and then it was also a lot more high level forecasting and stuff. I did a thesis that involved a two-stage least squared regression model. So all of those nerds out there, you, you may know what I'm talking about. I haven't done any of that in a while. So that's how I got introduced into data, though still not what I would call data analytics. Okay. So yeah, you basically, in your economics degree, you were exposed to very data-centric techniques and opportunities and classes and stuff like that. And did you like really caught on? You like loved it? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I was, I really enjoy reading and writing, but I was never a huge fan of like English classes and writing essays because uh, just for me, I would just always stress about it because some of like grading essays is somewhat relative to the instructor, but I like data because when it's done right, it, it tends to be more black and white a lot of times, especially like when you know how to avoid errors and things like that. But yeah, data had me hooked. I think I also had recently read Freakonomics and read about the interesting experiments they do in that book and the papers they wrote. So that's a highly recommend uh, to anybody out there. Okay, sweet. Freakonomics, write that down. Okay, so you're interested in data. Do you make a conscious decision that, hey, I want to become a data analyst or, or where did the process go from there? No, I honestly still, like I could, I'd probably heard the term data analyst, but out of college, I think I applied to probably some data scientist roles because I would probably just search by R, Python, SAS, oh, yeah. things that I'd used and some economist roles, maybe some kind of forecasting roles. But I ended up just kind of taking the first thing that would get me, which was just this random kind of finance job out of college. And it was once I was there that I... I think I just stumbled upon Alex the Analyst on YouTube. I may have stumbled across a couple of other resources and learned about data analytics. I also had a friend that had gotten a data analyst job and was telling me about SQL and Tableau and Power BI. So that's kind of when I first learned about data analytics. But to answer your question, why? When I got out, it definitely wasn't a thing on my mind to go into analytics. Oh, interesting. So is that the Robert Half job that you were talking about? No, I had a brief one before that, that I just uh -huh. don't have like on LinkedIn and stuff. They say there's a lot of ageism in hiring. So I kind of try to blur that line between college and my first analyst job. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So you're at this, this financial place kind of doing finance work and really doing a lot of self-studying on YouTube. It sounds like mostly. Yeah, a lot of self-studying. It was once I'd kind of gotten into that one and Khan Academy, just some basic SQL and Tableau started learning. Yeah, because you'd learned some of like the R and like you said, like the statistics in school, but just a little bit more of like the practical, more gritty stuff you were kind of learning online. Yeah, I was learning online. Like most people would probably be a big surprise. Like I was running some pretty intense forecasting models in college, but still like couldn't didn't know what SQL was enough to run like a basic select statement even. It's funny because, and we can talk more about this, but I, I when we talked about previously, like our little pre-call, I, I said the same thing. Like I did like a ton of machine learning in Python before I ever typed one line of SQL code. You know, if I could go back, I think I kind of did it a little bit backwards, or at least I think it's easier to do SQL code than it is a bunch of like different regression models in, in Python and stuff like that. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I definitely think it is. And you also, it's like, I think SQL is quite a bit easier than those. And I also like to 
run effect like write effective regression models and run them i think you need a lot deeper statistical knowledge and knowledge of like data fallacies and things like that where sql like sql you still have to work hard at and you still need to like work to become smart but i think there's a lot less going on i think you can do simple stuff in sql before you can do simple stuff with r yeah. And just pr- program, I mean, I know technically SQL, the L is, does stand for language, right? It is, it is a programming language, but it's like so much easier of a language than, than both. Well, especially than Python. R is not too bad, but I think even R is a little bit harder to get used to than, than SQL at the end of the day. Yeah, I would agree with that. My thing with SQL, I think learning like about the commands and like the different SQL statements actually isn't that crazy. It's about kind of getting into a little bit of the advanced stuff and then eventually it's just uh, like I think to become a good SQL user is just learning how to think critically and then apply the different methods and statements you've learned about. So after you've had a lot of practice using all of the different uses of SQL, eventually you'll be solving a problem at work and you'll be like, oh, this this is the most effective way that I can write this. For sure. For sure. Now tell me a little bit more about how you ended up at your first data job. So you're at this job, you don't really love it, but it's a place that's helping you grow. You're learning online. How did you end up finding this data analyst job and how did they decide on, you know, we want to hire Elijah? Yeah. So I actually had a friend of a friend that was a recruiter for Robert Half. So Robert Half for anybody. Hold on. I just have to pause it already, Elijah. I freaking love the first statement out of your mouth. A friend of a friend. My, I, you know, I help so many people try to land data jobs and they're always like, I don't know anyone but your friend of a friend. And that's where you're, you start your, your statement. I just have to point that out that like networking is such a big point and you're making such a good example of that. So sorry, keep going. A friend of a friend. Sorry to interrupt. Now bring me back to this. Cause I want to make a point on this too. I like to reckon networking to investing. Like they always say how the compounding of the investing makes it where uh, the earlier you start investing, the more you're going to have at the end. And I would say the same thing about networking because you don't want to have to be desperate for a job. You add 50 people on LinkedIn and are sending everyone like, hey, I just met you. Help me get this job. Do work for me. It's like, no, you just need to make friends, see how you can help other people. And then maybe even years down the line, you're like, oh, now that we've been friends and colleagues or know of each other for a couple of years, would you mind putting a referral for me at your company? Totally. I, I 100% agree. You're planting little seeds to grow into trees to, to use the fruit down the line. So I love that. But okay, so you're talking to a friend of a friend who's a recruiter. Is that right? Yeah, a recruiter. And so anyone that doesn't know, Robert Half is a recruiting firm. So I was actually contracting to another company. I was doing somewhat confidential work for them. So like, I don't know if I'm supposed to say the specific company I work for, but through that company, I contracted to a bank. So it's like this weird Russian doll of companies that I was staffed into. But I applied for this. It was an anti-money laundering analyst job. It had uh, analyst in the title. So it sounded good for me. And so I just put my all into it. It sounded really cool too. It felt like I was going to be like Batman, like taking down, like I was like, when do I get a handgun to go like chase down money launderers or anything? But yeah, I was very glad to be able to use my network to help get that job. Okay. Awesome. So you're using your network to get that job and what type of tools were using that job? Excel, SQL? 
So that one actually ended up being a little bit more basic than I thought it would be. It actually didn't get to SQL. It had mentioned a lot of Excel and data mining, but the data mining wasn't using like any popular analytics tools. There were some niche banking tools mm. we would use to mine the data. And then my analysis was just largely done in Excel using pivot tables. I always, I never know how to pronounce it, but the command or whatever that like, I think will put stuff together, but uh, it was really just a lot of using pivot tables to view the data. And basically I would look at all these different sources we'd have. So I was working, banking customers would basically trigger an alert if they had a spending pattern that was different than how they usually spent. And then I would go in and look at their transactions and see if it was something that could be explained. So Maybe they had $400,000 of input and then 400000 that went out. And they're like, well, they usually have 2000 that goes in and out. But a lot of times that would be something like they got a loan and then they paid people using that loan or something like that. And then if that activity seemed fraudulent or it just couldn't be explained, then it would just kind of get escalated to higher ups at the bank. So yeah. it's just using those pivot tables, then I would end up just writing reports out in Word. I just... Yeah, we can get into more of that job, but yeah, just Excel and then data mining with banking software. That's awesome. And I think that's the point really valuable to all of our listeners because a lot of people, like they try to master Python before landing their first data job. And it's like, you just needed Excel, you know, that Excel and critical thinking were enough to land that first data job. And so a lot of people, in my opinion, they overplay how much the skills matter and really they underplay how much the networking matters, which really in your case, I mean, although you had more skills than, than you're using in that case, you didn't necessarily need them. And, and I'm sure that they came in handy and all the critical thinking skills you had amassed came in handy. But the point is they weren't necessarily 100% required. And that got you your foot in the door. That got you a title with the word analyst in it. And then from there, I'm guessing that second job at, at Humana, right? Is that the right company? Yeah, Humana. So in that first job, it ended up uh, not being like too much on the technical side. I think I'm a bit of a nerd. I like, I'm also creative. So I, I, that's why I like tools like Tableau and Power BI. I like making all my pretty reports, but I decided I wanted something a little more technical. Like that role was a lot of just writing out reports in Word. I had daily quotas for reports and for a lot of people, I think that job would be great, but just for how my mind worked, it just to do the same thing over and over again every single day, it just didn't work for my mind. So I decided to make a jump again. I'm not like the kind of person that loves to jump jobs that quickly, but then I decided to kind of go harder. I learned a lot more SQL than I'd learned before. I uh, kept working on Tableau and Power BI, and then whenever I started, I think I found the Humana job just on Indeed from cold applying. And then eventually the recruiter reached out to me and it was a Power BI job. So I bought a course from Udemy to learn the basics of Power BI because I'd mostly used Tableau up to that point. And if anyone doesn't know, Udemy has sales all the time where you can get a single course for like 15 bucks. So I used that to help me know how to talk about Power BI and Thankfully, I ended up getting the job and Humana has been a wonderful company to work for. Yeah. And, and and I imagine that even though that first job, or I guess this, yeah, this first like analyst job wasn't everything you hoped it was, it was probably really nice 
to have that on your resume so that when you were cold applying this time, you at least had some experience, some data experience on your resume that you could kind of lean on to. Is that right? For sure. Yeah. I think recruiters and hiring managers see that analyst position. I also had a couple other big companies I was interviewing with. And then also like you don't have to use any specific tool to technically do data analysis. That's why like you're saying a lot of people put too much emphasis on Python. I think a lot of people undervalue what they can do with Excel. Like I have, like I've known people that have gotten their first job. That's a full on data analyst role really, but maybe they have somebody else that will pull the data from SQL or something, or maybe whatever the circumstances, but really they're just using pivot tables and building reports in Excel or Google Sheet. Yeah. A hundred percent. In the episode that I that released this last week. So if you're listening to this, the recorded version, like a month ago, I did it with, with Matt Bratton. I don't know if you've seen him on, on TikTok. He's an Excel guy on TikTok and he's on LinkedIn as well, but he's had like a 20 year professional career. He's in the C-suite of his company. And like, he's an Excel guy. That's like all he's ever used. That's all he's ever needed. You know, that can be enough for your data career or the other person that comes to mind. And I think we talked about, about him in this episode. Have you seen this, this Excel guy on TikTok that makes like the craziest looking dashboards in Excel? Have you seen this guy? Is it the guy that has a cat on his shoulder? Yeah. That's, that's who I was thinking of. Yeah. I've seen him and I, he, he builds the coolest stuff. Yeah, I, I haven't really looked at any of his dashboards, but he makes these dashboards that I can't fathom are made in, in Excel. So yeah, I definitely think that people, you know, limit themselves to, oh, I have to know more in Excel. No, Excel's plenty. If you want to learn other stuff, that's great too. If you don't want to learn everything, that becomes a problem because you're never going to be good at anything if you learn everything. But like, I think what Elijah's trying to say is like, you could make graphs in Microsoft Paint if you want to, to be a data analyst. <laughs> yeah, you could. Like, they're, like eventually you're going to figure out what tools are most effective and you're going to have your company standards for what are used. But you can get by. Like, there are some things that it may make sense to do in Tableau, but to do like some of those calculations in SQL. Or maybe there's something that it, generally you're going to want to do in Excel, but sometime you may just have to do in Tableau. Like sometimes for my job, I work with Power BI in my job and uh, I'll have like a Power BI report and somebody wants what I have in that Power BI report, but it's like an ad hoc request with like different data. So I'll like pull that data into an Excel file and then try to recreate the chart or whatever analysis I did in Power BI, but do it in Excel. Yeah. So you got to be multifaceted. Tell me more about what tools you use currently. You're using sound like Power BI and Excel? Power BI, Excel, and then SQL. I use this program. Some of the under like technical stuff, like I just, I use the tool and don't know a ton about it, but I use the app. It's called like Code and I guess it pulls from like an Oracle database or a database management system, however that works. But I run SQL queries and then a lot of my reports, I pull those into Excels and then uh, connect those to the Power BI's. And I'm currently in the process of just doing more reports that are automated. So just putting, writing queries that will go straight into the Power BI's and auto refresh themselves, which saves me a lot of work. It saves me a lot of hours, saves the company a lot of money. And so it, it it's kind of a win-win for everybody and I can take on new projects. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. It's always fun to see like what, what people are working on. So thanks for that, that glimpse into your life. I do want to talk about what you think about a master's degree. You know, one of the questions I get asked a lot is, 
should you get a master's degree? And I wanted to get your opinion. Yeah. So I may talk kind of about degrees in general first, if that works, because that's something I get a lot. And my answer to that is it depends what all you're after, because if you're only like, I want to become a data analyst, the cheapest and quickest way possible. And I'm willing to put in a lot of work and have a lot of grit. If that is your whole situation, I'd just don't think you need it. I think you can learn everything for either, you can learn a lot for free, but then I mean, if you want to go ham on some courses, a thousand bucks or something will get you several of the well-known courses in data analytics or something. But then there's also people like, personally, I loved college as an American. You don't really get many experiences to live in a walkable community. And I was all about being able to walk, hang out with my friends, go get cookout, which is this Southeastern fast food chain at 3 a.m. There are like, you do build your network at college. It isn't all like the price may not be necessary, but there's network building. So there's a lot that goes into that decision, but you do, you definitely don't need a degree. But like, my thing is like, if I had kids, I would probably, unless they had a specific route plan. Otherwise I would suggest they go get a degree uh, as cheaply as possible. Yeah, I think you're definitely right. There is something to be said about the American college experience that definitely is is very unique. And I mean, obviously I have a bachelor's degree as well and it's, it's in chemical engineering. And do I use any chemical engineering? No, like I haven't used chemical engineering. Okay, that's not true. I had a client that was in the oil and gas space and maybe my chemical engineering knowledge came in handy there. But my chemical engineering, I don't use very much anymore. But still that time that I was in college, I definitely learned how to Google, to be honest. That's what I say. Like I learned how to critically think and how to solve problems. So I, I don't regret going to college personally, but like I think for people who are asking me, do I need to? Like, no, you can land a data analyst job without it. I think we're both kind of saying the same thing. You could do, you could do either, it just kind of depends on what you're after, right? For sure. It's actually funny you say that because my brother actually has a chemical engineering degree and he's currently finishing up a master's in data science. So, Oh, no way. Where at? At the University of Kentucky. Oh, cool. That's yeah. Awesome. So he's really enjoying that. My And I would guess you might agree with this. I think an advanced degree is definitely a lot more necessary in the data science field than data analytics. I don't think it's a must have, but it seems like a lot of the data scientists I meet and the data science jobs I see are wanting masters and PhDs. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely, in fact, I'm actually working with Ken G right now on a video with one of the parts we're actually analyzing the Stack Overflow survey data, which basically gives us a little bit of a glimpse into the industry. And yeah, definitely more people in the data science space have a more advanced degree. I think it does help more. It's probably more important in, in data science. But a lot of the times, to be perfectly honest, I, I think it's best, if you even if you want to become a data scientist, it's going to take you a long time to get there. It's, it's like a process that takes, honestly, years. Like it's hard to do it very quickly. And so my advice for anyone who wants to become a data scientist is okay. Well, like you're probably looking at a two year minimum for that transition. A lot of the time, unless you have like a computer science or a statistics degree, like you're probably looking at a two year transition. My advice is to become a data analyst first and try to get your job to pay for, for a master's degree or try to try to get like, just try to get a data analyst job and then be like, Hey, what does the path look like to become a data scientist within this company? I think those two paths are much easier than trying to go from like, for instance, a teacher, 
to a data scientist. That's like a very hard transition. That's because as a teacher, like you don't have any time to study. You can't take like a bunch of time off. Like you're needed in the classroom. You probably have a family. Like I just think it's easier to kind of get a foot in the door, a stepping stone job, and then progress from there. But yeah, you're right. The advanced degrees do matter more when you're trying to become a data scientist. That's at least my opinion as someone who has not ever been a data scientist. So a very valuable opinion there. Hey, we, we appreciate it. Yeah. And I, I have a master's degree in analytics, but I was a data scientist before I ever had that master's degree. And for me, the reason I ended up choosing to get a master's was so I could teach basically so that I could do stuff like this and, you know, at least have that on my resume where it's like, okay, he knows what he's talking about a little bit. So that's why I ended up doing it. But I think, I think you could go either way. And I think, yeah, it really just depends on your life circumstance. So I guess my takeaway, or what I want the takeaway of the listeners to be is you could do either. It really just depends on your life circumstances and what you're trying to go for, but just know it's possible without a master's degree. I want to ask you, cause you make a lot of TikTok content. You're making some LinkedIn content. What's like a, I don't know, maybe a hot take or an unpopular opinion that you have about breaking into data. I'm trying to think if I even have, cause a lot of what I do, cause I haven't been in a hiring role. So I'm, I try to make my videos about mostly like what I have experience with. So I've never been in a hiring role. So I don't talk a ton about like interviews and things like that. I haven't been, like, I haven't been a lot of things. I try to talk about what I know about. So like my hot take, which is only somewhat a hot take is agreeing with you that like, I wouldn't focus at least much on learning something like Python or R, at least for your first job. Like SQL is generally what they're going to want proven experience in. And then Tableau or Power BI are probably falling behind that. But man, my, that, that's a hard question. I honestly no, don't that's... have a great answer for that. I wish I did. No, I think, I think that's a good answer. And I, just from your content, I think another thing that I would say that I see a lot of people like, oh, SQL sounds scary. Is it SQL or SQL? I don't know, right? Like they're kind of nervous about that, but you make it sound super easy to learn. I feel like in your videos, you're like, it's not that bad. Yeah. My, my thing is it definitely takes like work to learn, but it's like, I think if you put your time in, you're going to learn it. And if you just like go into it, knowing you're going to have frustrated frustrations especially if it's your first time coding at all coding gets so frustrating sometimes you'll spend 20 minutes like banging your computer against a wall and then you find out it was like a missing semicolon that would make your code not run but my thing is it's just incredibly accessible to learn sql all of data analytics i think there's a lot of kind of healthy i don't want to say competition in the data space because a lot of us in the data space like get together and talk and build on each other's ideas. But like everybody's making accessible learning solutions now. And so SQL, especially there's so many free interactive SQL courses out there that are on top of the like YouTube videos, as well as practice problem interview websites. So it's definitely very accessible. It's going to take time, but again, you, you spend a few hours learning SQL, you're going to be able to run some basic queries to a simple database. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I agree, with, agree with that. I want to talk a little bit and get to know you a little bit more on like what you like to do for fun and kind of like self-improvement stuff because that's one of the things you mentioned you are interested in. So I'll let you kind of, I'll let you choose here. We can talk about one of the things we, we want to talk about, you and I both are focused on right now is getting in shape. And the other one was reading and talk about what type of books you like to read and maybe like good business books or good data books. What direction would you like to go? 
we can go in either. Maybe we can start with one and then go to the other or something, depending on how your time is with this. Okay. All right. Let's talk about books. What books have you enjoyed on your data journey or just maybe like your your life journey recently? I honestly haven't really read about data. I want to start looking into some data books because I like, I want to keep suggesting different mediums to the people that follow me to learn. That's why I've been trying to check out podcasts. Yours and Ken G's are the ones that I've listened to so far and really enjoyed those. But I, I read a lot of business and about founders and then also kind of those self-improvement books, which for other people can be a little bit cheesy. And some of them I read and are a little bit cheesy, but I find like they often have methods that work or you can take what works for you from it. So some of the books that come up with that are like Atomic Habits, The 4-Hour Love Atomic Habits. Atomic Habits. Atomic Habits is great. Like there's so much in there. Like I think you could read it like once a year and just take a different thing that he suggests in it. But I love that stuff. My biggest takeaway with that was to kind of try to make the things that you want to do easier to do and make the things you don't want to do harder to do. So things like We'll get into trying to get in shape, but if I'm going to try to go get a pre-work workout in, set out my clothes the night before, set out my pre-workout bottle and pre-workout powder before the night before, just everything I could do. So that way when it's time, everything is super easy. I just have to flip that switch in my mind to be like, okay, I'm doing this. Yeah. I I love that. And I've even thought, I actually have made some content on atomic, atomic habits for like landing your first data job. Like the idea of like a lot of people, I feel like don't put the time into like networking that they really should because it sucks. Networking is not that fun. Like it's hard to send messages. It's hard to reach out, especially if you're introverted. And one of the things they talk about in Atomic Habits is, okay, instead of being like, okay, I'm going to network, be like, okay, I'm going to send one cold message. And you just, that's it. I'm going to send one cold message. And then a lot of the time you feel like sending more after you send the first one, but really simplifying that initiating task can, can be really important. So I love that, that book as well. I'm trying to think what book that I've read recently that you might like, let me see. I'm looking at my bookshelf over here on the right-hand side. I have a fun, lots of fun data books. I've about a bookshelf of data books, but then in terms of like self Oh, you know what? The combination of these two books, they're not super, maybe they're self-improvement. They're by Austin Kleon. The first one is Steal Like an Artist. Have you ever read this book? No, but I think I've seen it. It's an awesome book. It's super, like the the pages are like super short and it's only like a hundred. I love that. Yeah. And the reason I really like this, and I have an episode about this, but like one of the things that you need to do on your data journey is steal like a data analyst. And that's going to be, a combination of like looking at people like Elijah who have gone through and landed a data job, steal the steps they took, you know, see what they say in their content, look at their LinkedIn, try to understand their path, listen to a podcast and copy what they did there. Right. This is also really important for projects. Never plagiarize. I'm never saying to plagiarize, but like when you, when you want to do a project, chances are someone's done something pretty similar, take what they've done and transform it just a little bit and boom, that's a new project. And so I really like this book. And this book is just about how whenever you do anything, show your work by Austin Cleon is like, you just got to like always document what you did. And that's one thing that'll really help you land a data job too. It's like, you could go out there and do 400 hours of SQL and tell no one, or you could tell people along the way, post on LinkedIn, put it on your resume, stuff like that. The more you, t- the more you talk, 
the more likely you are to get lucky. So I like those two books for you. Yeah, I need to check that out. I definitely agree with those points. Whenever you're trying to succeed, a lot of people think that you're completely copying somebody, but like once something's been done, it's really not going to work the same way after that. So like, I think you just got to kind of take inspiration. So maybe copy little chunks out of a bunch of people. And then like, if you're copying a hundred songs, but you're just copying 1% from every song, like in the end, you're going to have something totally new. And if you're copying good things, it's going to be something good. Another book that I really like, and we're talking about stuff that's applicable to data analysts. Have you heard of The Third Door by Alex Benayan? No, I haven't. I love this one. I used to watch a lot of this YouTube channel called Yes Theory, where these guys, they kind of just do like these challenges to get in outside of their comfort zone. Like one of their mottos was the best things in life is out are outside of your comfort zone. I always really liked that. And they just had a random video with this guy, Alex, and he wrote this book called The Third Door. And the premise of it is basically like to succeed, think of it like a nightclub. There are three entrances you can take into the nightclub. First is the main entrance. You got to go out front and stand in line forever and just wait your turn and just hope when you get there, there's like you're going to be let in. The second is for kind of the elite. So your nepotism, rich people, like they're going to be able to pay their way in or they know somebody who works there. And then the third is like a scrappy way in. So maybe you like sneak in a window in the kitchen or maybe, I don't know, you talk up one of the people in the second door or something like that. And basically the book tells his journey of making his way to meet all of these crazy successful people like Jane Goodall, Bill Gates, Steven Spielberg. And basically he uses all of these lessons to meet these people and then figure out what third door that they took that led to them to get their first big success. Dang, I'm going to have to check that out. That's a good share. That's arguably my favorite book. It sold really well, but it isn't like, it isn't like as big as Atomic Habits or anything like that. But I always recommend that to uh, people who want to break into data, basically anyone who has some lofty goal, because it just, I think it really promotes a mindset like, okay, there's a possible way to achieve this. I've just got to figure out what it is. Like, it's just a puzzle from that point. I love that. I'm going to check that one out. I'm probably going to order it on Amazon right after we're done here. The last thing I want to talk about, which some people might, might might think has nothing to do with data analytics, but I'd argue it actually is, is very correlated with everything you do in your life. And that is getting in shape, getting fit. I know that's something I've been working on the past year. I had a goal to lose, let me think, 35 pounds this year. And it didn't go well for a, a long part of the year. It's going better now, but it's it's difficult. I don't know how that journey has been for you. Yeah. So for me, um, I've just for different reasons, like uh, I, I don't think like obviously there are things out there like fat discrimination and all of this. But at least for me, I found that the benefits of being in shape outweigh the benefits of not like I just want to be healthy. I don't want to have to deal with heart disease and other things down the line. Like you, it'd be nice to it's nice to be more confident Uh, Like there's studies showing like people treat you different if you're in shape and stuff. So uh, just being in shape, something that I want to do, but it's honestly something I've struggled with my whole life. Like I've been 
pretty chubby most of my life since probably a little bit before like middle school. I think when I went through a growth spurt in like ninth grade, I think I was I was just like kind of slightly on the chubby side playing high school basketball back in the day. But then college hits and I have all of the pizza and the meal plans. We had a Chick-fil-A on campus that I was oh, hitting yeah. up every day. Yeah. And I just gained quite a bit of weight and I ended up losing a so I got up to like 270 pounds. I'm 6'2 for reference. So six, oh, you're tall. I, I'm somewhat, maybe 6'1. I thought I was 6'2. Last time I went to the doctor, they they correct, they humbled me. A oh, little you're, bit. you're shrinking. You're shrinking. I'm shrinking. But I had went up to 270. And then in 2019, that summer, I had a good break from school, was back home, walking, learning how to eat healthy. And I lost 40 of that. Wow. And then- I kept, mo- this is kind of a quick story, but I kept most of it off until I got married in early 2021. And really there were a lot of life changes. And then also they caught like the happy marriage weight. Uh, yeah. I gained that back. So since then I've been kind of struggling with that and sort of towards the end of this year, I've been getting it off and I'm trying to do so in more sustainable ways than the first time. So I fall out of that demographic of how many people lose weight just to like gain it back within a few years. Yeah, totally. Well, well, congrats. That sounds awesome. I know for me, I'm actually going to probably make a full episode about this because for me, I was trying so hard. I was, I was going to F45, which is like a super fancy gym with like, with like group classes only. Right. So I was going to that. That was like a hundred and like 90 bucks a month. I was paying for like meal plans, which, which like were like 10 bucks a meal. So that was, I don't know, like, I don't know, a grand a month of just like healthy food. Right. And all this stuff. And I was, I really went from like 210 to like 200 or something like that. And I really couldn't get past 200. And then the past, well, I don't know. Yeah. About six weeks I've been able to do like what I thought wasn't even possible to be honest which is lose like 16 pounds because I joined this just like crazy community. It's called men and women of discomfort where we purposely do really uncomfortable things. And we have like a pretty strict food regimen. So I was doing all this stuff before, but just having the accountability where I have to check into my group every single day and actually say, you know, this is what I'm eating. I'm right now. I'm only eating fruit, vegetables and meat and that's it. Oh, I guess sweet potatoes and a little bit of rice. That's like, so I have to check in every day and say that I'm doing those things. And then I only eat, I do like eight, 16 intermittent fasting. So I only eat for like eight hours a day and exercise, which I was already doing, but I was so frustrated for like literally 365 days, putting so much effort in and not seeing any results. And I think that's very similar to landing a data job because once I had accountability and like a community, all of a sudden became way easier for me. And all of a sudden when I stopped worrying about you know, I stopped worrying about like working out twice a day or I stopped worrying about like doing like, I don't know, crazy diet stuff. It just got so much simpler for me. So I think there's a lot of similarities. It's really at the end of the day, like you said, kind of about that book, anytime you have some sort of an ambition, really the results to get there, the the ingredients are all always kind of the same and discipline's a huge factor. Yeah, that's what it is for me. And I've been lucky. Like I've Like it took a lot of work to get my degrees. I put in a lot of work making content and I've succeeded at those. So I kind of see now getting in shape is like the goal. It's like, okay, this is something that is giving me way more friction than anything else. So it's like 
if I could just accomplish this one thing and get into decent shape, it's like, okay, now game on. What, it, like, I feel like there'll be a lot of confidence from that because it just, it's just dramatically harder for me than anything else I've done. Yeah, but but you've done hard things already. So I have no doubt you'll be able to keep doing this hard thing. I think you got it. And I really appreciate you sharing that journey with us and just talking about doing hard things. That's what landing a data job is. It's doing a hard thing and you have to be putting in time and discipline into no matter what, you know, that's how you get results for anything. I, mean, I couldn't agree more. And once I convince you to move to Kentucky, we'll, we'll go work out and do stuff together. And then we'll like both just be like the most ripped data analysts. I like that. I, do you watch YouTube at all? Are you a YouTube guy or no? Somewhat. I don't watch as much as I used to. Okay. That's probably good. I spend way too much time on YouTube, but I'm assuming you know who Mr. Beast is, right? Oh, I love Mr. Beast. Okay. I watch every one of his videos. I do. Do you know who Eric is? Eric Decker. Is he, what, what does he do? He does similar videos to Mr. Beast, but like at a lower scale. Anyways, him and Mr. Beast are, are pretty good friends and, and they challenge each other to uh, fitness competition. So maybe we'll have to do a data, data fitness competition or something like that. That'd be a good, good competition. That's fine. Since we're both big, we'll, we have a few of these similarities. We're going to see each other in person in the next year or two at some kind of event. And we'll use one of these common interests, maybe Mr. Beast to come up with a video. All right. That sounds good. Well, Elijah, thank you so much for being on the Data Career Podcast and sharing your story. Where can people go to learn more about you and your content? Yeah. So for the longest time, so I've been making content since September of last year. So most of like my informative content is on my TikTok, which is at I'm Elijah Butler. So it's I'm like the contraption I and the letter M. So I'm Elijah Butler. I'm now very active on LinkedIn. And again, it's just Elijah Butler on there. And those are probably the two best places. I also have a Facebook group that you can join through the bio of my TikTok and Instagram and stuff. But TikTok at I'm Elijah Butler. And then here on, or I guess it isn't only just here, but on LinkedIn, Elijah Butler. And I'm a data analyst at Humana, if that helps you find me. Sweet. We'll have your links in the show notes down below so people can find you as well. Elijah, thanks so much for being on the pod. Smash that subscribe button, everybody. (laughs) I love it. Did you guys like the episode? I hope you did. I know that I learned a lot from Elijah and I hope you did as well. I hope you're thinking about who is my friend of a friend that's going to help me get a data job. You know, how can I possibly you know, use my network to land that data job. That's the number one thing I want in your mind after hearing Elijah's story. I also want you guys to be thinking about three fun things that we have coming up. Number one is getting that bonus for leaving a rating or review for the podcast. It's absolutely free. Just send us a screenshot of your rating or review on Apple or Spotify. Thank you guys so much for doing that. Number two is the live sequel series that we have coming up over the next three Wednesday nights. Make sure that you sign up. It's absolutely free, but you can come to the live streams, check out what we're doing. We're going to be doing some SQL learning and some SQL practice problems. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. If nothing else, there's an opportunity to get some good practice in, right? And then number three, we are bringing back the 21 days data challenge, but shrinking it down to five days. And that first one is going to start January 8th. If you want to be part of something really fun, I highly recommend signing up for that because it's going to be a lot of fun. I promise you guys that we're going to be learning. It's going to be a great kickoff to your your data career and you can get all the information for that in the show notes down below. Click on the link and pull up the page where you can learn more. Okay. 
I'm excited for you guys. I'll see you guys in the next episode. And I hope to see you at the live sequel series or the five days of data challenge. One of the two. Hope to see you guys there. Bye.